I think, I mean, even like with David Harbour and Hellboy, you have certain people coming to you with certain physiques. And um, when I started training Harbour, he was 250 pounds. He was coming off of Stranger Things. And I got a call from the production company, I think a few weeks in, and they're like, he's losing too much weight. Like, we're gonna, he's gotta stop training. And I'm like, no, he doesn't have to stop training. He hasn't lost any weight. He lost one pound. And they're like, what do you mean he lost one pound? I'm like, his physique is taking shape. My main goal with Drew right now is strength. And when I mean that, I don't mean how much he can bench press. I mean that I need to make sure that when he goes into this role with you guys and we're shooting over in like Bulgaria or wherever, I think that's actually where, where he did shoot, that his body is resilient. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Don Saladino, one of the most in-demand and well-known trainers in the world. Don is an entrepreneur, cover model, and the founder of Drive 495 Gym in Soho, Manhattan. But he's perhaps best known for training Hollywood's elite for massive roles. Names like Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Jake Gyllenhaal, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, and Hugh Jackman are just some of his big-name clients. And their on-screen physiques have a lot to do with Don's guidance. In today's episode, we chat about getting actors movie-ready, the ups and downs of fitness entrepreneurship, and how training methodology has evolved over the past 20 years. I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barben podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Don Saladino, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for hosting us today, I should say. You have an awesome space here in in Soho. How long have you been in Soho, New York? Soho's been 15 years this May. That's like three lifetimes in the gym world. It's a long time. It's unbelievable because I still feel young. But um, I'm 42 and I opened the gym when I was roughly, you know, whatever the math is, 27, 28. The reason why I don't know an exact number is because on top of that 15 years, I actually had about a year of construction, which is a long time, but it's New York. I mean, dealing with that shit is crazy. And um, so we had a prep. We, we, we basically had, you know, hiring expediters and architects and contractors and dealing with unions and all that fun stuff in the city. So it stretches out where, <laughs> where, where a job could potentially take maybe six months, you know, that obviously doubled and that was part of, you know, early on some of the mistakes you end up making, but we're still here. How is the focus of, I want to talk about the, the gym space for sure. a second, because it really is a special place, what you have here right on Broadway in, in, in New York. How has the focus of the gym changed, if at all, and how has the clientele changed, if at all? Well, the clientele hasn't really changed, which is, I think, what's so special about it. The focus has changed, because when we initially opened, this was a golf fitness performance facility. And my brother and I, my brother who was a uh, professional golfer turned back amateur, he was down on the Nike Tour, I think the Hooters Tour, he played for a while. He was just really young, really realized it just wasn't for him and he came back up here and became one of the most well-known um, amateur players in the whole metropolitan section. Super proud of him. But we were working with uh, TPI, the Titles Performance Institute, 
right around the time when Tiger Woods, you know, came on tour and really started making his dent. Late nineties were a good time for golf. They were a good time for golf. I mean, Tiger was killing it. I mean, suddenly this guy goes from being a stick figure to putting on some muscle. My brother and I really rode that wave. So we, so we have him to thank and we have Greg Rose, Dr. Greg Rose with TPI to thank, but it really, it was, it was about a trip that we took out there for an experience that we went through over the weekend. We went, met, you know, um, Greg and Dave Phillips and, uh, Rob Yang, one of my one of my close close buddies, who's um, a brilliant nutritionist and power coach, and we went through their experience, and we said we should be able to do this in New York. So when we opened, it started around that, and it's, everything started around like the the McKay golf grip and doing things in golf posture and five iron posture, and we really got away from that because our belief is you build a better athlete for golf, you don't have to use golf specific exercises to get golf uh, golf. Uh, golfers better and, and there's still a little bit of a tug of war in the industry right now because of that because you do have your golf specific guys that have to market themselves as that and they need to show things that are a little different but um even tpi now it was funny to see how everything was in golf posture 15 years ago and now it's like rob doing like an olympic snatch and you're like <laughs> all right there there you go that's how we want to develop some speed so uh yeah that's how it's changed i mean we really got more into uh now it's a it's about uh, readiness it's about recovery it's about um you know, screening and it, it, not saying that we didn't do a screen back then, but the screen's a little bit different. It's about really kind of creating something that's, you know, for that individual, but more in general fitness rather than just doing it for golfers. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think a lot of folks, when, you, when your name comes up, whether you're on a magazine cover or if it's in the general fitness conversation, I feel like every time a big blockbuster movie comes up, I just hear a spike in your name because you're, you're, for better or for worse, probably better, known for training a lot of yes. Hollywood's elite and getting yes. them getting them ready for very demanding roles and getting them in shape. How did that start coming about? Because I know those don't just fall on every trainer's doorstep randomly. Oh yeah, no, I I, I just you know I just emailed Hugh Jackman and said you know come on down for a session. Like, said, I'm, I'm, <laughs> hey Hugh, Hugh, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Trust me. Well, listen, I I mean it it, it was it was somewhat dumb luck. I mean, I think the thing I had in my favor was that I always practiced what I preached and I always kind of lived in this area of, I, I call performance physique. So, you know, I was an athlete out of college. Um, I always focused on being strong, but on the other hand, you know, I, I, I wanted to take my shirt off and be on the cover of muscle and fitness, which fortunately I was able to experience that. So I, I think um, having those traits and, and having those focuses really, I, I think already put me into a specific spot that a lot of, I mean, strength coaches, a lot of times are in one area and the bodybuilders are in another area. And I really fell in the middle early on and said, why can't we both be friends? There's got to be way that we could all kind of work together here. But Hugh was a total mistake. I, I had a buddy of mine, his name was Rico Wesley, um, smart coach, someone I've known for 20 years since back at Equinox. He was training Hugh. He called me up. He asked um, to come into my gym to work with him. We didn't allow outside people, but Rico was a friend. And um, Hugh was kind of, it, it wasn't It wasn't about the celebrity because even today, um, celebrities will come in and they'll, they'll stay at hotels and they'll ask to bring P, uh, coaches in. It's just not something that we do, you know. It can throw off the vibe. I mean, you want to build a community and- 100%. It's not that I want to be, you know, an, an, an ass. I, I always, you know, I, I met one of my close buddies, Derek Hansen, from allowing him to come in with Benicio Del Toro, but it really is a per case basis. Um, and with Hugh, it was, um, it was dumb luck. It was Rico- ended up having triplets. I think it was triplets with his wife. He found out that she was pregnant and he was like, we're moving. And he was like, I want to work with Don. And it was, it was that simple. You know, I own the gym. Um, he, he saw me work out. He knew what I was about. And um, I, there was no social media back then. No one was doing Instagram. 
This was 12, 13 years ago. This was this was which which X Men movie was this? He this was I think this for? was Wolverine and um it, whatever which whichever one launched right around the time the movie Australia because I was prepping him for the Wolverine movie. And then what happened was, is right when he was leaving, he's like, do you want to come to Australia? I'm like, I can't. We're having our first daughter or our first child. That's not going to work out. And um, then they threw a movie out of him with Nicole Kimmon called, called Australia. And he ended up shooting that movie. So technically, um, if you want to break it down, that was a movie that he really came in from my training from. And I thought he looked amazing. And then he worked with one of his buddies out in Australia for Wolverine. But I had a great relationship with Hugh for about a year. He ended up moving... Um, and um, but then it just opened the floodgates. I mean, then I uh, met met Scarlett Johansson, who then I met Ryan Reynolds, and then at that point it was just. Um, I mean, I probably worked with fifty to one hundred um, people uh, prepping for either a role or a Broadway show or a, or a TV show. And it, for me, like it's fun. Like J.K. Simmons, the actor, um, just left here. He was working with one of my coaches because I'm, I'm, you know, fortunately and unfortunately able to take on many people anymore to train because there's, there's only so much time in the day and I'm focusing on business. But, you know, J.K. came in, Charles Cooperman and I, you know, we put together a program, um, ran J.K. through it and did a tremendous job and we were able to set him off. So I'm still part of the process, but not with everyone that comes in because there's just too much volume. I just can't handle it all. Let's talk about timeline. And, yep. you know, I'm, I'm not in the movie production business day in and day out. So when an actor is coming to you and they need to get in shape for a particular role, obviously different physiques, different goals are going to take different amounts of time. It's very individualized. But what kind of timeline are you often working with or is presented to you when it comes to, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's always shorter than you want. <laughs> Three days. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. You know, it really, it really bounces around. Like I had Ryan Gosling come to me once and he had two weeks and I was like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Like fortunately Ryan's in good shape. Um, I had, um, Drew Powell, who, um, you know, isn't obviously as big as Ryan Reynolds, but Drew is a, a great friend and an incredible actor. And, um, he's done some work on the Ray Donovan series and played Solomon Grundy, um, in a show called Gotham, and and Drew went. He's like football built, and yeah, Solomon. I'm a comic book nerd. Solomon Grundy is this like jacked zombie, basically. He's this jacked zombie, but heavy, and and it, he had to basically we had to like trim him down in I think about seven eight weeks to get him ready for um for a role where he basically walked practically naked out of this swamp, and um I was proud of him. I mean, listen, we knew in that eight period of time we were not getting Drew to look like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. <laughs> it's not happening, and I was very clear about that early on. And we had a lot of laughs, but I think, I mean, even like with David Harbor and Hellboy, you have certain people coming to you with certain physiques. And um, when I started training Harbor, he was 250 pounds. He was coming off of Stranger Things. And I got a call from the production company, I think a few weeks in, and they're like, he's losing too much weight. Like we're gonna, he's gotta stop training. And I'm like, no, he doesn't have to stop training. He hasn't lost any weight, he lost one pound. And they're like, what do you mean he lost one pound? I'm like, his physique is taking shape. My main goal with Drew right now is strength. And when I mean that, I don't mean how much he can bench press. I mean that I need to make sure that when he goes into this role with you guys and we're shooting over in like Bulgaria or wherever, I think that's actually where, where he did shoot, that his body is resilient. Because at the time he had such back problem, bad back problems that he couldn't pick up a 24 kilo kettlebell. Nine weeks later, we had him pull 400 pounds off the floor um, at probably about a 90% lift. And why go any heavier? There's no point. That's why I'm not gonna blow him out before going to Bulgaria. So um, I think it's understanding with every actor that you work with, it's like every individual. It's by a per case basis. Ryan Reynolds, fine, getting him ready for a movie. If he's in his absolute worst shape, I can have him muscle and fitness ready Co uh, cover ready in two to four weeks. I mean, the guy is 
one of my favorite human beings. He is so dialed in. And when it's time to have to do what he needs to do, he's able, he's just one of those guys and he's just able to flick the switch. And he's like, this is my homework. And this is when I'm going to have a meal, a cheat meal or do what I want to do. And he's very disciplined and, and he gets his goal, uh, gets the goal in mind and he's able to attack it. So I think it's for everyone, it's by per case basis. I always say, I always want more time with someone because we do everything naturally. We do everything through diet. We do everything through sleep and training is a component of it. But as you guys know, the program, come on. I mean, I've written about a thousand programs in my life and they're all good. <laughs> you know, and just like you probably have as well and they all work and they all serve their purpose. And, um, but, um, there's so many other components that go into this that people don't realize. And you know, if it's three sets of 10 or three sets of eight, does it really matter? The answer is no, it really doesn't matter. I mean, especially when you're, when um, you're focusing on someone who has that type of goal. Um, well, Olympic a, re- lifting, well, a Olympic- research study actually says, Dom. exactly. All right. You know, and, and I always <laughs> like to say that I'm like, listen, guys, like if we, if we train this way for a year, we train that year for a way for a year, we can, we will get the body to look different. I, I understand yeah. that. But um, I think sometimes we obsess a little bit too much. And I see it with a lot of my online programs. Like, I don't have access to it. Um, this I'm, I'm giving a bad example because I, I, I very rarely will put a preacher curl on a on a routine. But I remember one time seeing a question come in. They're like, "I don't have a preacher bench," and I'm like, "It's okay. <laughs> like, just go grab some dumbbells and do some standing dumbbell curls." Well, wait a second. I'm not going to hit the peak. I'm like, "This is a totally different conversation right now." I don't I don't believe like, that. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize I was talking to Phil Heath as he was prepping for exactly. the Olympia. Well, that's part of the problem too. I mean, you have a lot of these bodybuilders that are on such heavy anabolics and. You know, I do believe that, you know, bodybuilding is about creating tension. I'm friends with Ben Pakulski and we were on the phone yesterday and we talked nothing about bodybuilding, but um, tension is what bodybuilding is about. But do I believe that one specific exercise is going to make a natural individual be able to create more height on their bicep? The answer is no, I don't believe that. I, I believe that, you know, if you're able to sit here and have a mind to muscle connection, you're able to create tension in that area. Like, let's find the movement that you're able to create the best tension with. And when am I going to change that up? Um, before you get bored, because I don't want boredom to step in. Or, you know, when we stop receiving that type of response that we've been receiving. And then that's where I think the magic, that's where coaching comes in. But if you're on a program and you're working on strength and you're continuing to get stronger, then, all right, dude, like it ain't broke. <laughs> you know, it makes sense i can ramble about it for a while but you mentioned that conversation that a, a production company had oh he's he's lost a pound he's yeah. losing he's losing too no, much they w- thought he lost like 15 20 pounds and i'm like guys he lost a pound <laughs> it's crazy what kind of conversations and is it a regular thing to have conversations with a production company with a studio because you're helping this actor craft a certain physique a certain look and is there is does it take a communication to kind of align expectations between 100 what they expect and what is real 100 i mean at the at the end of the day they're they're the customer I mean, the the celebrity isn't even the customer. It's like, and I'm not just saying that because they're flipping the bill, but they have in mind a specific physique that they want to, um, that they want you to achieve, accomplish, whatever it is. And whether the person on the other end, listen, some of the people I've spoken to know a lot about what what they're talking about and don't know that area much because it's not what they do, but they have a perception in their mind of what they want when that actor has to come out on that horse or, you know, <laughs> in that boxing movie or whatever right. it is. And, and you better be, you better be willing to listen and take some criticism and do the best you can to get them in that shape. But I'm also not a miracle worker. I also understand like if a production company calls me and they're like, we need to put 15 pounds on the next week. I'm like, listen, that might not be the healthiest approach. And why, what are you trying to achieve out of this? You should, you, you should maybe talk to your, your graphics department 100%. on that one. <laughs> I mean, listen, get a tan, Carb up, get into some good lighting, do some push-ups. We may be able to accomplish a lot more than than you than you think. So, um, yeah, 
Good question, though. What is the most impressive to, to you, and obviously you're biased because you're involved in it, the most impressive transformation uh, you've seen when it comes to preparing for a role? Still kind of talking about the actor bent here. I want to go some other directions after that question. Yeah, sure. Um, most impressive. I mean, I've had, God, I've had some good ones. Or maybe the ones that, the, the one that surprised you the most. The one that surprised me the most. Um, Although if you do this for long enough, nothing's too big of a surprise. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, I mean, I I think what Blake Lively did for The Shallows was really interesting. Um, She didn't have a lot of time. And I could could talk about this. I mean, Blake, you know, isn't one of these people that are like gym goers. She'll be the first to admit it. She's openly admitted she doesn't like to sit there and eat chicken and broccoli. Like, that's not what she does. I mean, she, when I first met her, she says, I love delicious foods. And um, it was interesting because she gave, you know, birth to her first child, I think it was. And, you know, we just got her moving and we really just paid attention to, uh, you know, what was going on with her hormonally and how she was feeling. And, you know, the fact that she wasn't sleeping and she was going through things that every working mother would go through because that's what she is. She's a, she was a working mother. And um, that to me surprised me because we just kind of, we, we both relaxed. And I think instead of like calling these crazy audibles a few weeks in, we just allowed nature to take its place. And I think a lot of times that stress hormone ruins a lot of progress. And she, what she did do is she said, listen, I'm going to do the best I can. And it is what it is. And honestly, like when you look at the amount of time, and I don't even remember the amount of time that it, it took her, that was extraordinary. Now her second child, she threw a post out there for me, I think it was a few years ago. And she says, you know, I, I lost 63 pounds after my pregnancy and it only took me something like 15 or 16 months. And her point to that was, is this time wasn't as easy. And this time, you know, I battled with certain things and that's why I have so much respect for her because she's so real and she's, you know, she's not one of these people that are like, I'm a diehard gym person. Like, no, like, you know, like when you're up all night with your child or your children and you're breastfeeding, you're doing all the stuff that moms, you know, do, um, you know, getting up in the gym isn't always the first Thought so. I think that was the one. It surprised me because I think we just relaxed. We both relaxed, and we allowed. Um, we just allowed the process to take place. If I ask ten different, and I have, sure. having asked you know ten or so different trainers their favorite methods for client assessment sure. before they start working with a client, I'll get twenty five different answers. Sure. Sometimes. Yeah. Sure. What are what's your kind of approach to that generally, sure. and maybe how's that evolved over your you know. 20 years in the industry. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think early on I was using the TPI assessment because that was something that, you know, we used for golfers. Um, I got heavy into FMS at one point because everyone does. Um, I also understand that FMS, nor am I saying, and I've gone out to dinner with Lee Burton, I've gone out to dinner with Greg Cook and I know them and, you know, I think no one's, claiming that this is a perfect method of screening. And, I, and it kind of bothers me sometimes because you'll have like strength coaches out there. The first thing they want to do is they want to go and they bash it. And um, I think what Gray and Lee will admit to is that this is just, this is an assessment for trainers. For, uh, for the folks who might be listening might not be familiar sure. with FMS and that Functional protocol. movement screening. It's yeah. a functional movement screening. It's, it's uh, seven tests. I think it's seven tests. Um, it could be done in under 10 minutes. Really, really simple. And um, this is a, a great test for trainers for them to see if any red lights go off. And the reason why Drive's so special downstairs is we have three physical therapists that work with us. So led by Dr. Charlie Weingroff, who I think is one of the more bris- uh, brilliant medical minds in the field. I mean, um, you know, the guy had an 800-pound squad. I mean, his training's definitely changed, but he understands power, force production. He understands how to heal the human body. And I know by using an FMS, when we see a red light go off, which a lot of times it might, then it's right into Charlie's office. 
And it doesn't mean we can't train the individual, but now the assessment increases. And now um, Charlie might use uh, an, an SFMA, which is a Selective Functional Movement Assessment, or um, another form of screen that they have. But you know, for us, it's not one specific type of screening. I think we have our general to kind of see what um, what avenue we want to put them on. And at any point, if there's um, a red light that goes off, then we know and we have a solution on where to send them and how to receive more data. But I think sometimes we just come in with these crazy methods of screening and it's like, all right, well, this angle is off by about three degrees. And you're like, relax, man. We all have asymmetries. It's okay. It's my job to make sure, number one, with anyone I'm working with, I don't care who it is, resiliency. I'm always working with a PGA Tour player. Am I trying to get them to hit the golf ball further? Yes. What's more important? If Morgan Hoffman or if Rory McIlroy, I'm not not saying I work with Rory, but I know him very well. um, If Rory hits the ball 310 yards or 315 yards, is that going to really matter? Or is it going to matter that on month 10 of his PGA Tour season, if he, on a scale of 1 to 10, is feeling like a 9 or 10 rather than the 6 he felt like the year before? So I think sometimes we have to start looking at also what should the main uh, main objective be? Yeah, and you you can't perform if you're injured. Yeah, injured or just tired or feeling like shit or not coping with stress a specific way. I mean, let's even put injury aside. Um, um, there's so many other variables that are so important for for, for an athlete or even a, a, an actor in a movie role. Ryan, when he was um, shooting early on, like 12 years ago, when I when I met him, um, you know, is this Gosling or, or Reynolds? I got to ask sorry, which sorry, I got to ask which Ryan. I always say Ryan because Ryan's like Ryan's like my guy. So um, I, when I refer to somebody, I say Ryan. I expect everyone to know it. I shouldn't. Oh, sorry. Uh, but you know, he would do low carb diets, and then he found out, and we, he was shocked that wow, imp- implementing the right carbohydrates, and he was actually able to get fuller, much more energetic, and it just it almost changed his whole life when. when and movie prepping. So doing making small making changes like that aren't small, they're huge, but they last a lifetime. Where do you look in the fitness space or even maybe outside the fitness space for inspiration to continue your own learning and expand your own knowledge base? You know what? Um me, uh, anytime I could sit with a doctor, a therapist, a power coach, someone who's educated. I mean, I just got off the phone with a, a really good friend Derek Hansen. I don't know if you know Derek. He's a world-renowned um, sprint running running coach. I don't even want to say sprint, just running coach out of Vancouver. Uh, studied under Charlie Francis, who was Ben Johnson's coach, and you know people like that. People like Jordan Shallow, who you know always come in with a little bit of a you know interesting approach. Charlie Weingroff. I can go keep going on about him. I mean, I'm friends with guys like Mike Boyle and and um, you know. Uh, Brandon Marcello with recovery and, and sleep. And there's just, fortunately, because I, I do run podcasts, it, it, it is, I do have access to a lot of good people and we're able to bring individuals on and ask good questions too. And it's always exciting for me to continue to learn. So that's the best part about this industry is I feel like what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. But God, in an industry where there's this much to learn, I feel like the smartest guy knows this much. So. Who's your? Who's been your most memorable podcast guest? If people can listen to one Don podcast, God, I can't even. I don't even know how I'm going to answer this. Because um, there's so many different topics and categories. It's like, what did we want to discuss? I mean, I, I don't even know. I would have to really sit there and think about it. Um, Charlie's a great person. Jordan's fun guy to have on. Um, uh, Ali Gilbert was a lot of fun because she talked a lot about, you know, we were joking around about more boners and biceps and talking about the sex hormones and, but what goes on in, in, um, in, in men opposed to females. And, you know, that's fun. Um, you know, uh, like I said, Brandon's a great guy cause that's such a, a topic that in a way is general, but people are missing out on so many 
basic points that are just so valuable. Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, you know, in reference to nutrition and hormone function and you know, just, just, just so many different, there's just so many different people. I mean, I, I do run the reps podcast with editor in chief Zach Ziegler from muscle and fitness. And then I run a podcast called D and D, which is Don and D- Derek and Don. I'll give Derek's name first. <laughs> Derek and Don D and D fitness radio. Um, and you know, every time we have a guest on it's, it's something new and interesting and fun. Derek's pod. I actually had Derek on the muscle and fitness podcast. And that was a lot of fun. And I've had people on podcasts where you're like, wow, that was a Royal failure. And, um, that's that's another conversation. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that oh, off, off, not off recording, maybe. <laughs> uh, who is who's what? Who's your dream guest? Who maybe you don't have access to, or you haven't been able to get them on? It, like literally anyone. It could be in the fitness space. Could be kind of corollary to the fitness space. Someone you just want to talk about movement, movement culture, and wellness with. Movement, movement culture, and wellness. Um, maybe our boys over there. Um, <laughs> you know, fortunately, I get I get access. I get access to a lot of people yeah. when it comes out of movement and movement culture and wellness. So that's that's one thing. I think it's just sitting and speaking with um, maybe specific politicians or like I think interviewing Bill Clinton would be really interesting. Um, Tony Robbins, there's been a lot of positive and negative about it. I think that would be interesting also. And I, I did go to one of his seminars and I understand why, you know, it is incredible about the mind and how you know, when you leave an event like that, how for four weeks your mind is geared to think a certain way that just great things start happening to you. And I think when people hear the positivity of the mind, they, they, they kind of start laughing at you like, all right, let's burn incense. But it really is the truth. It really is like the magic carpet. Well, it's easy to write that off just like it's easy to write off when you first hear about like a mind-body connection the first time. If you're, not, if you're not used to the fitness space or if you're new to training and your trainer says, oh, if you feel better, you're going to think better or something like that. It's easy just to kind of be like, nah. It it is, um, you know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's. I mean, I mean, Arnold. I mean, of course, I'd love to interview Arnold. This is more like selfish personal reasons. I mean, yeah, fortunately, yeah. when I want to bring someone on, like we have access to these mm-hmm. people. Um, I think it's more about like understanding how they think and understanding, hearing not only the successes but hearing you know, you know how hard was it. I mean, a lot of times you start looking at these people and you're like, oh god, they're millions worth millions of dollars, and it was easy. every one of them had a struggle. And I think that's what's great about it. What kind of bothers me a little bit is there's so many like self help books now, and there's so many experts, there's so many people who are just you know um, just claiming to be you know like. They're doctors. Like you didn't go to medical school. You're writing this book. Like I understand. Like I get. Like I get it. Like you're very smart. That's fine. But you know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff being put out there. And like, let, let's talk about a morning ritual. Like how long you've been hearing about morning rituals and the importance of morning rituals, right? Like everyone, everyone talks about. It. Every great person was like, oh, I do a morning ritual. And like I was talking to John Berardi the other day. I had him on a podcast, and he's like, you know, I wake up every morning and I. And I, you know, but you know, burn incense and drink green tea, and, you know, <laughs> eat, you know, you, you know, and I and I read and I meditate, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, like I'm I'm cool. so jealous of you. I'm like, but when I have a car picking me up at 5 a.m. in the morning, like, and I have to get breakfast and take a shower and sneak out without waking up everyone else in the house, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, do my morning routine, which doesn't allow me to do 15 minutes of meditation. Like, if it's me getting extra 15 minutes of sleep or 15 minutes of meditation, I'm taking the sleep. I'll try and find another time during the day to meditate. So I, I think what happens sometimes is that a lot of these young people who are coming up the ranks start reading the routines of these moguls and they immediately start thinking this is what they have to do. And to be honest with you, like 
No, I'm telling you, Arnold did not do a routine 14 years ago, a morning routine, like a ritual. Or, or John Berardi was not doing this when he was building his business. Or, the, or you know, Tony Robbins, when he was living out of a, a shoebox, he was not sitting there jumping into cold plunges and taking cryotherapy sessions. It just So I think sometimes it gets a little discouraging. Oh, best one. This was the best one. Um, the Huffington Post turned around and they list an article of, you know, 20 moguls, 30 moguls, whether it was health and entertainment, whatever it was, who wakes up before like five in the morning. I, th- I think I saw this. I think okay. I know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I don't want to curse on the air because I know I've done it already, but yeah, like, go for what it. the fuck is the Huffington Post doing posting this nonsense? The fact that we're glorifying that Mark Wahlberg is waking up at 2 a.m. to get his workout, play a round of golf before his kids go to school. I think it's the dumbest fucking thing this society can possibly be doing. The fact that Mark's even doing that, yes, I'm saying it's stupid. Mark, no one has ever won that war. war. You will get cancer. You will die. Some terrible sickness will come upon you if you continue to wake up <laughs> at 2 a.m. And you're, you're looking at me like, yes, I'm saying it. Like, this is, this is asinine. But the fact that we're glorifying this stuff, it, it, it's very fucked up. You talked a little bit about folks who have failures and and maybe kind of skirting over those or the things we don't always see, those struggles. Sure. What is one in your career that you maybe come back to or think back to as a point where you really had to dig deep and and maybe own up to some some mistakes? Sure. Um, How long we have? (laughs) (laughs) The the Spark Notes version. All right. You know what? Um, When I opened the club at 27, it was too big. I raised too much money. I put too much into the build out. It's not about having uh, fusion floors. It's about the people and it's about the training and it's about the, the culture. So that's number one. <clears throat> I launched a company called Driven with Adrian Peterson, Dwayne Wade, Ernie Els. Um, did exceptionally well out of the gate, but uh, we couldn't find a way to bring engagement to the consumer and we had to exit from that with the loss. Um, a gym I bought once, Drive 443. Probably bought it a little too prematurely didn't really fit into our model. Um, I'm grateful I did it because I learned a, a lot about group training and small group training um, in the market. But you know, was it a waste of time and money? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like let's say, you know, yes. Did I get a lot of positive out of it? Absolutely. If I was to go back and do it again, knowing what I learned from that, I wouldn't do it. That's again. an awfully expensive education. It's an awfully expensive education. We don't we don't need that. Yeah. So. Um, you know, there's also a lot of good things. I remember when the when the economy was crashing in 07 and I'm running a golf performance facility with, you know, hosting events for more um, Goldman Sachs and Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns, I realized when the market started getting a little dicey that we were gonna lose our event space because we weren't gonna be able to book events, which was a huge part of our revenue. So it was almost like we were able to protect that early and we were able to go in and get some capital to cushion us while we were making that transition. So there's a lot of things where I'm like, wow, I pat myself on the back for it. And a lot of things I'm looking back on, I'm like, what were you thinking, man? <laughs> I, do, I do want to talk about the actually the financial crisis a little bit yeah. because I've talked to a lot of folks who are former gym owners and they're former gym owners because of what happened in 07, 08, 09. Because of what happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe if not directly because they had maybe high, very high-end clientele, people weren't spending as much on training. It was... It could but have been a trickle you're down saying effect. they opened up places because of the crisis? Oh, no, no, no. They, oh. they are former gym owners oh. be, be, because they lost. I've talked to a few people oh, who basically lost have it. lost sorry. facilities. And it could be, I mean, look, it, it's easy to kind of point fingers, and I'm not sure all the time it was directly because of that. Maybe they're just running an unsustainable business. But you, know, you talk about going out and getting capital to kind of cushion the business through that. What are some other things that 
you had to change about your business or did you during that period? Well, you, you know, just jumping into their, into their comment, I, I mean, did I make it through that period? Yeah, I did, but I also lost a lot of money mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. shutting down at the time would have been the right decision. So I don't want this at all to be like, well, I made it through and you guys didn't. Like, no, like not, not at all. But I do know if you have a good business and I don't think at that time my business was a great business. I think it was an okay business. You should be able to last. A good business should be able to, I mean, the one area, even through the financial crisis, people are still, listen, no matter what, people are still trying to be healthy. And there's still, there, there is a level of self-care that specific people are putting into. Are they, host, are they blowing $10,000 a night at a Goldman Sachs event at Drive? And, or I'm just using them as an example. Um, no, that's where things started changing. But, like, but what we really fell back on was the fact that we were really into performance and we really had to go that route. So, you know, I, I, you know to answer your question, I answered your questions of, you know, what did we do wrong? What did I do right? Um, you know, I just don't want those, those gym owners that didn't make it, I'm very humble because there were a lot of conversations that I have where I, love, I remember walking out of this place being like, I think this is it. And that's really scary. And that's probably why I have a good reputation in the industry. And that uh, is that I never, I'm never walking around saying, you know, oh, you know, my spot. No, no, it's not about that. I can lose this at any day is my thought process. And that's what kind of scares me, but also pushes me to um, take that next step. And we have a lot of great next steps coming up. Uh, what, what are some of those? What's, what's next for Drive? What's next for you? What we are, are, you we are about? definitely transitioning the model to even more of a bespoke model. So, rather, so in the industry right now where everyone's going more into boutiques and they're making things fluffy and, and very like, you know, rah, 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 rah and, you, uh, and I'm seeing it, you have to, you know, have a, a good heating bill and good lights and good music and some good looking coaches and you have a model and I'm, I'm looking to go in the other direction. So I'm going in the next five months when my lease expires, I'm either going to stay at this location, move. Um, we are going to throw in a, a great recovery component in there with infrared saunas and cold plunges and compression boots and probably using Normatec because I love Gilad over there. And um, you know we're going to do that, but we're also going to design the, the gym, the performance area to be much more conducive to what we have now, not what we were trying to create 15 years ago. And we're going to do that through measuring readiness. Um, I'm not ready to talk about you know which which <laughs> right, which right. De- device we're going to use, but I could tell you one thing: we've been doing a ton of research over the last year year or so, um, and we're going to design something for individuals that want to come in and they want an exceptional product, not about well this is you know this is okay and this is no we're going to do something that's geared for you. And then we're going to take that digitally, which I have the power to do because I've definitely done that before and I've aligned myself with some great people. When I say power, I don't mean I have the power. I mean like, <laughs> no, I, I, I know what we have to do in those steps. And I have myself aligned with an amazing business partner um, who's, um, who's done this in the digital space and he's going to be helping me, um, I think, handle areas that I, I, I'm, I should not be focusing on right now. I mean, that's, that's the mark of reaching a certain level of maturity in business is knowing what your core competencies are and knowing which they definitely aren't. Oh yeah, no, it just happened. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's probably probably my best quality is that I have no problem with asking for help. Don, what's the best place for people to keep up to date with what you're doing? It could be in the content space, or it could be what's with what's going on here at the facility. Awesome. Um, well, you can check my my Instagram handle out. It's uh, Don Saldino at Don Saldino. Facebook, Twitter, all the same. Um, and my club is called Drive Four Ninety Five. So if you want to check out the website, it's uh, www.driveclubs.com. 
www.donsaladino.com. It's all, it's all my name. It's easy enough. If anyone's ever in the area in New York City, pop on in. I mean, we have a private club, but I have people pop in daily and um, say what's up and check out the club really quick. And if I can say what's up, awesome. It's a great facility. Thanks so much for hosting us today. Thanks Appreciate so it. I appreciate it. Fun.